Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I'm your host, Jesse Jackson, and today we are doing a first for the podcast. I am having a friend, a fellow Bruce fan, join me from Russia. Uh, so, Kate, please introduce yourself. Uh, hi, I'm Kate. I'm yet exactly the Bruce fan from Russia. I know that I'm not the only one. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, kind of. Um, I work as a translator. I've been uh, having fun with Bruce since 2009. Been to 11 shows since then. And i just a lover of music and life since a very young age. So, yeah. That's well, important. we are so glad you're here and you're joining me. Uh, good friend Dan French is the one who connected us. He uh, emailed both of us and said, I think you two crazy kids need to get together for the podcast. So <laughs> I am glad you did. Um, so I I always like to start out with a background. So, um, and I apologize if I don't know a lot about the Russia and the Soviet Union, but uh, talk about growing up. What kind of music did your parents and you listen to it when you were a kid? Well, actually, I was born in the uh, USSR, so when it was in USSR in 1986. And I, well, the, the first thing I remember being, like, fell in love with music was I remember my father uh, used to bring these, you know, the ta tapes, you know, recorded and recorded over and over again, some mixed tapes from uh, his guy, the guys from his work. And there was some, you know, stuff like Scorpions, you know, this kind of classic rock. I really uh, like rock set. You know, my sister, who is um, a year and a half um, elder than me, she really fell for Roxette. It was like a favorite band. And my favorite music at the time was, um, you know, Chris de Bourg. And somehow he was very popular in Russia. I don't know. I, As far as I know, his uh, grandfather was involved in um, building the first uh, railway in Russia. Oh, wow. So I don't know. It's crazy stuff. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, did so this kind of music yeah so did sorry yeah yeah no, and no, i no. remember uh remember brian adams yeah brian adams was really big you know in our household anyway and of course my parents listened to some uh you know russian stuff i wasn't interested in at all so this i i think that scorpions brian adams and chris the book and Roxette was the first kind of uh, you know, foreign bands in our household and that I really liked. You know, the stereotype that we here in the U.S. hear a lot is that uh, a lot of people, you know, back then, you know, the Iron Curtain behind the Iron Curtain and, you know, the East um, was always there was this hunger for American and British rock and roll. Do you think that's a true statement? You know, it's really hard for me to tell because I was like five and six at the time. And okay. I expect that teenagers were really hungry for such music because it was like a rebellion, you know, this kind of thing. But I was in such age that I was listening to what's been brought up into the house, you know, so I wasn't sure. able to choose for myself, oh. kind of. So, well... I think it's hard for me to tell, actually, I can, at that I can, time. I can understand that. When when did you uh, – we'll get to Bruce in a minute, but, you know, you've kind of talked about, you know, finding your early joys of your parents. When did you start – you already mentioned your sister kind of had a different – she was in f fans of other music. When did you start growing up into finding your own taste and – and how did you go about finding it? Um, you know, I've had um, a guest from South Africa, Pony Boy, talked about the difficulty he had growing up in South Africa 
trying to find rock and roll. So, you know, what kind of, tell me your musical journey. Tell me what you started liking and, and how you went and found it. You know, during 90s and late 90s, my favorite band was absolutely Savage Garden. I know how I really end up listening to them, but probably were on the radio because, you know, this Australian band. And mm-hmm. it, it really was hard to tell was they popular in Russia or not. But somehow they, um, we know they truly meant it deeply was a really big hit at the time. And I kind of, I remember it was so hard to get your hands on the any you know um albums that were released at the time so you only get them on tapes or it wasn't even official licensed tape or i made uh, my own you know mixed tape listening to the radio and we had some uh quite a few you know radio station that played this you know rock and roll stuff like elvis presley and the beatles and something new that was, you know, coming up, emerging on this rock and roll stage at the time. But, you know, I, I can't remember. This is the gap between uh, when I was listening to Brian Adams and Scorpions and the late 90s and the middle. It's kind of, I know it's, it's very blurry. I don't know why. But I remember being such a big football fan at the time. Maybe that explains that. I mean, oh. soccer. No, no, no. I I understood what you meant. Uh, you know, I was that was my next question to ask. Um, you know, what kind of radio stations did you listen to? I grew up. Um, you're about the same age of my son. Uh, you're a few years mm-hmm. um, older than him, um, but because he was born in '89, uh, you know. So I, I was curious to know what kind of music, you know, radio stations was there. Um, you know, like in Britain, there's a lot of the BBC and official, you know, the government radios here in the U.S. It's kind of kind of crazy all over a lot of different, um, you know, both um, stations that have different formats. So I, I take it it sounds similar to you growing up there in the USSR and later becoming Russia. Yeah, actually, I think we have the radio, which was like pop radio and rock radio. And I remember listening a lot to the radio called Maximum. I think it's Russian based because, you know, it's it, it's yeah, I know they're offices in Russia and they hold the, all the Russian DJs. And um, there was a station called Europe Plus, uh, which played basically everything. And there was some kind of um, some station that played only Russian music, only, uh, I don't know, blues or only jazz, some, you know, dedicated Mm -hmm. to the certain type of music. But I actually at the time uh, we had the television and, you know, back then, this old days when MTV was really good. Yes. <laughs> you know, we can't, li- we can't watch it now because it's all crap. Yes. But back then, it was really, really good. And, you know, it was the first glimpse on how it was. It, of course, was uh, translated to the Russian. So the voiceover of the, the Russian translation goes uh, over the, um, the English. But it was broadcasted as it is. And um, I remember, you know, uh, staying late at night to watch my favorite videos. It was, it, I think it was um, maybe early 2000 already when I was a teenager or very, very late 90s. Um, and I remember this, uh, you know, top 40 or top 20 like hits. Um, I remember watching it a lot. I just all my days after school, I just um, went on watching it and I was always waiting for my favorite videos to show up so I will be able to record it, you know. And, um, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I know exactly what you meant. Um, we did that a lot. Um, you know, I had a cassette recorder and I would have the AM radio in mm-hmm. my bedroom. And, you know, forgets having some kind of plug that you inserted in to do, you know, this was just pure over the air. You'd hit your play and record button, you know, for it to record from the radio so you could hear it. Um, So I take it, 
and I've always been fascinated by this, that I assume then the the VJs and the announcements between the videos would be in Russian, but the actual videos they would play um, the in English, correct? That the music would be actually for, from the songs. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. what? I speak no other language. You know, I am English. I, I don't, I, I just have been, uh, never have had the chance. To, I don't have an ear for languages. My son speaks a little Spanish. Um, so your your English is amazing. So um, is that partly, is it taught both in school? Uh, did you, Is that one of the reasons why you can enjoy the music in uh you know this other language yeah i think i owe it actually to the times when i was trying to understand what my favorite um you know bands were singing because now you can google it yes and you 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 oh you know you never know when we first got um the i don't know internet connection do you remember then we you have to dial actually to go online I do remember and that. your telephone was, you know, engaged all the time. And when I first saw the lyrics for the, my favorite songs, I was very surprised sometimes because when I was listening to them, I thought they were singing absolutely different lyrics. Uh, well, so it was so much fun to discover the truth. So, Kate, that is not that is not necessarily a translation thing. Uh, there is often when. I'm listening to a song. I mishear the lyrics, and I go, "Really? That's what he meant? Uh, that is hilarious." I, I won't. I'm going to get to Bruce in a minute, but I'm fascinated by you. Early in this, you said you were born in the USSR. Um, so, mm-hmm. you, about how old were you when the Soviet Union broke up? Uh, five. Okay, so not a strong remembrance to you. You don't. You don't have a lot of vivid memories of that transition or change. Yeah, I remember that there wasn't a lot of food in the market. Like my parents had to queue for like, I don't know, five hours to buy me a coat for me and my sister. And there was some kind of, you know, disturbance in the air. You know, you can feel it. But at the age, you don't really care because you have people to care about you. So yes. you don't have to care about these things on your own. And I remember this was kind of um, the times when you probably wouldn't ask for an extra, you know, something. And um, I totally understand. I, you know, I took it as it were, as, you know, so I, I didn't know any better. Uh, so I didn't know how it could be or how it's supposed to be. I just, you know, take it as it were. <laughs> no, I totally understand that. You know, we talk a lot about um, you'll read um, biographies or stories about people growing up and they, you know, I, I didn't, especially they'll talk about in the rural South here in the U.S. about, you know, you'll hear I didn't. I didn't understand we were poor or, you know, we just knew, you know, I was in a family that there was food to eat and there was love and, you know, there was a support and they didn't understand till later how much their parents were struggling to try to make everything okay. So, um, that's, that's lovely. That's a great story to share. Um, yes, exactly. Uh, you know, you hear these stories later when you're grown up and your parents like told you about that. But at the time, you just, uh, I don't know, you're just unaware, blissfully, I think, yes, blissfully I, unaware. Uh, no. I totally agree, Kate. So you've mentioned a little bit, but tell me how you found Bruce Springsteen and what about him and his music um, struck a chord in you, made you feel a connection to him? Well, to talk about about Bruce, we need to talk about Bon Jovi first because All right, I think in my teenage it was it was basically a, a soundtrack to my teenage years. So I think it's uh, I was this generation that heard. I think it's my life. I even don't like the song, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Now uh, at the time when it was you know 
it was like heard from every corner and it certainly was on MTV a lot and I kind of grew so close to this music of Bon Jovi and I kept digging and at the time it still was hard to get anything on tape so when I got I don't know Fahrenheit I was so excited and um so it kind of started there and I remember I think it was um before I I was um hearing the song live and John said something when you know that um you find your inspiration the the, the people who inspire you and you start digging and to find out who inspired these people you know you are so fascinated with yes so I, it, and then you know bruce came up naturally and i remember i i'm sorry to remind but i remember this concert for 9 11 in uh 2001 you know it was broadcasted i don't remember which channel it was but you probably remember it um, it was MTV or something. It was live broadcast. And of course, because of the time difference, it was early, early morning in um, in Russia. It was like four in the morning. And I got an alarm clock. <laughs> I knew that Bon Jovi was going to be there. And they sang a couple of songs. And I knew that Bruce was there. But I, I was kind of interested. But I didn't know anything about him at the point. And... Um, I got my alarm clock on and, and then uh, I watched the entire concert and it was very moving. And um, I remember Bruce was singing The Rising, wasn't he? Yes. But, you know, you you probably expect me to say that I was. it was like love at first sight, but it wasn't. Um, you know, I kind of uh, was... I don't know. It wasn't two minds. I didn't like his voice much at the time. Sure, that makes sense. It, it was a bit harsh, you know. Maybe it was like because I was fifteen years old. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe have this kind of softy or something. But I, I, I certainly appreciate because I knew that uh, he had this kind of um, impact of my on my favorite band, for example, and on many others and. But I, I really want you um, to learn more about him. But it wasn't until 2000 and, I don't know, I missed so much. I could, I, I regret it now, but sometimes you have to, you know, just again, know that things happen as they happen. Uh, but it was probably not until 2008 before mm -hmm. I really did it. Uh, his music and it was funny because it came out from just one comment on the YouTube I remember I was um, I was watching the particular recording of the particular song it was Bridge Over Troubled Waters uh, sang by uh, John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambor who was actually um, when I found out Bon Jovi I was so much drawn into Richie Sambor's solo stuff sure uh, his two first two albums were just, you know, uh, amazing. And I was really fond of him singing. And I remember watching this one, and the first verse was sang by John, and the second verse was sang by uh, Rich Samber.
here on the street There was one comment below the video. You know how on YouTube they have this comment box, right? Which said that, uh, which said basically, I don't remember for sure, but it said something like, "Richardson Boric singing just like Bruce. He sings like there's no tomorrow. Like is his last, I don't know, the last words he's gonna say on the, this planet before he dies, something like that." And I remember, well, I have to come back. So I just randomly, randomly um, searched for some Bruce and I found uh, Devils and Dust album, which right. is up to date, is my favorite, actually, <laughs> because I very fond of this kind of, you know, music, which a meditation like, like, I, you know, one person is enough for me, him and his guitar. <laughs> And I remember um, listening to this title track, Devils and Dust, which I loved. And uh, probably um, All the Way Home, this one. And I, I, I had these two tracks playing in my um, shuffle, uh, Walkman shuffle. And I'm just trying to get used to his voice because I uh, Googled you know, his songs. And I remember just reading the lyrics to Incidental 57th Street and was just blown away and how it, it, it was so cinematic. It was so full of details and just amazing. It's like, it's like uh, he managed to encapsulate the entire world within one song. But I could read it, but I couldn't listen to it because I didn't like his voice. It was kind of funny. So I have all these papers with his lyrics of these songs. And I were just reading them like books. I didn't have to read any books at the time. I, I had Bruce. And later I discovered Bob Dylan and I didn't have any, you know, didn't, didn't I don't need to, to read any books anymore because I have all these lyrics. <laughs> Amazing. You know, my... Kate, my wife feels the same way. She thinks that Bruce doesn't enunciate very well. He just kind of mm. grum, you know, growls, and she's, I don't understand. Yeah. And so what um, I suggested to her is to think of his voice as another instrument and think of the songs as instrumental songs. There, there are no lyrics. Just listen to the emotion that is carried by the other musicians and his voice is just another instrument. And she has, that has helped her a lot. Now, she will do like you just did. She, she will Google the lyrics and read them along with it. And she now is impressed and, re, you know, enjoys and acknowledges how good of a songwriter he is. But originally she had a similar situation to you where she had, a little trouble embracing that, you know, kind of style of his. Um, I, I love yeah, that. Because I, I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, up to this date, I, I still don't think that he has good voice, but he uses the full potential of this voice. And actually, I always was re interested more in the big fan of poetry i was uh, writing poetry myself growing up as a teenager and uh, you know just just these words were enough 
I came to, you know, to learn how to play guitar because I could recite my favorite poetry and know those three chords, like sing Bob Dylan songs. Just not not sing because I don't have a singing, good singing voice, but just to recite the poetry, you know, with the musical background as a, an accompaniment. And um, this is was so, you know, the words uh, came first. And um, but now I kind of fell in love with his voice, but I still don't think it's it's a great voice. Well, uh, I don't. Have you read his autobiography? Yeah, sure. Okay, amazing. Yeah, so um, I just finished hearing it for the first time. I um, I had bought it on CD, and so I down. You know, I put all you know 16 discs in the car and so i listened to it over the past week and a half and it's the best way to do it isn't it it really is to hear him yes uh it's as close as i'm going to get to the broadway show um but he talked about he thinks he has a journeyman's voice in other words he is it is a tool that he can sing for three and a half four hours but he never, he acknowledges he does not have the range or the beauty of um, other musicians that have an absolutely beautiful voice or a gifted tool. You know, he says his is serviceable at best. And, and I do think, um, and I don't mean that as a negative, correct? I mean, I, I, he's acknowledging what that is, and I think that's really kind of cool that... Um, you know, he's found a way to use the voice he wants to and to kind of make it work. So very nice. Um, do what? So you've started listening and you're starting to kind of get a feeling. Um, what what kind of made you I mean, as you started listening to the lyrics, was there a point where you went from being a casual fan to a bigger fan? Yes, there was. Actually, before I say that, a little remark on the voice. I think that for rock and roll artists, it's really the most important to have a distinctive voice. You mm -hmm. know, the voice you can recognize when you hear the million voices, you can certainly know that this is Rod Stewart, this is David Bowie. This is Bruce Springsteen. I think it's it's more important than to have a like voice, the, the, yes. the great singing voice per se. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, going back to me <laughs> growing up, growing to be um, a bigger fan. And after this, you know, Devils and Dust thing, I thought I'd just go to the music store. You know, we don't have much of many of them anymore but there were at the time like 10 years ago we still have music so with vinyl and cds and i remember just going through the old shelves and i chose uh born in the usa just because of this front cover i think it, it was so so i don't know it's so unconventional to have such a picture on the front cover i think <laughs> And I remember I just I just take this CD and just listen to it, and I don't know it sounds ridiculous, but it's not my favorite album. But it's an album which has a lot of songs I love. Um, I totally agree with that. I I think there is a certain uh, percentage of you know Springsteen fans that say. Oh, born in the USA, you know, it was so commercial and it's so overproduced, but there is so much beauty and, and there are great songs on that album. Um, you know, songs that I, at this point have made me, you know, that, that have speaking to speak to me and they share with me. So I totally get that. Um, I can get how, there's other albums that make you feel, um, you know, that mean more to you, but there is something really beautiful about that. So, yeah, I totally get that. Um, makes a lot and of sense. Yeah, you know, this album, the songs in there, they have similar 
vibe even being you know totally different yes and they sort of go together you know when you're listening to the river album it for me it sounds like just too many things throw into old ones but born in usa it's very um sort of it had this fluency you know of the thought and it also have this very different emotion you get from the different songs and my favorite songs are always, I don't know, maybe it's a curse, but my favorite songs from all the bands I know are the rarest ones. The songs I never get to hear live. Like yes. my favorite Bruce is The Wish. Um, yes. So, and Lift Me Up, so you can you can get, get the idea. So on this album, probably my favorite was uh, My Hometown. Yeah. Uh, even though I, I I wasn't you know grown up you know in um, New Jersey or anywhere near here, I can feel the you know this kind of uh, belonging to the place you grew up with. So really connected to the song, and it so happened you know to continue this conversation to the point when I became a bigger fan. It so happened that my friend at the time uh, was thinking on going to the to see Bruce live in Finland, in Turku, in 2009. It was uh, working on a dream tour. And it was a time when Clarence was still with us. And, um, you know, I had a really hard year that year. Um, I was working two jobs and I have, uh, my diploma, my um, graduation project coming up, and I have um, had a mild operation, but it was really uncomfortable for a couple of months. But I thought that I, I'm going to do this. I think it was a peak of my listening to Bruce at home thing. So I thought I need to get out there. I need to, I need to see him live, because I don't think you can you know, totally get Bruce until, until you see him live. I, I love this joke which says um, there are two kinds of people, the ones who were the Bruce show and ones who weren't, and ones who were fans and ones who were just don't understand until they hear him live. And so I made this trip happen, and it was June um, 2009, and we made it to Turku, and I wasn't feel great, but my friends were with me, so they kind of revived me on the day. We were doing this, you know, like in Europe, they do this roll calls thing. So we right. haven't slept for like two days or something, and we end up second row. And um, I met some wonderful um, Italian guys. Uh, they were sitting, you know, right standing. But before that, it was sitting right in front of us and they kind of get the small talk and they were really impressed that we spent so many hours on train to get there. And I actually had this kind of uh, little uh, story to share about this particular show, my my first Bruce show. Um, of course, I enjoyed the show immensely. I was so into it and it was lasted for three and a half hours and I was exhausted, but absolutely so full of life. And I remember this guy, Ricardo, his name, from the Italian fans. Uh, he said that, you know, after the show, you probably won't be able to say what you feel, but you get to it in five years or so. And he actually said that uh, just uh, you you become an addict after your first show, so you can't quit it. It's kind of addiction, and so you be sure that you you want it because after that you won't be able to um, to quit. So after the show, when it was over, absolutely, and uh, we were like saying goodbye, and he asked one of the tech staff uh, for the handwritten set list, and he turned around and gave it to me and said. This is the the handwritten set list from your first Bruce show. And I was so, I don't know, I was so numb. And I, you know, how, you know, these things happen. And you don't um, realize at the time how cool is that. And now it's kind of hanging on my wall. And when every time I look to it, look at it, it gives me gives me so much inspiration. And I'm thinking back to the show, and I, I, I 
you know, at the moment, you totally don't realize how cool is that and how important is that and how much inspiration gives me every day. But and I, you know, how lucky is it to have, you know, the, the, the settlers from your first show oh, is just that is wonderful. Uh, you know what? I've said often on the podcast that there's two kinds of people, the people that go to their first brew show and go, wow, that was a long show. And then the rest of us <laughs> that go, oh, my goodness, I can't wait to see him again. And this is, I want to go everywhere I can to see him and, you know, do whatever I can. Um, and I, I, so I agree with you. I do think there are, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I understand that there are people who may go to a Bruce show and go, and that's not, it's not for me. You know, I, I, it's, as they say, not my cup of tea or just it's not something I enjoy. But it does feel like, you know, it's it's a Bruce thing. If you've not seen him live, you don't understand it. Just how amazing and how spiritual and, um, you know, this is. This is something it is hard to explain. You have to almost experience it. Yeah, I agree. And you know, like people saying, a lot of people saying that uh, you came to, you come to the live show to sort of uh, forget about your problems and to just put everything off and just enjoy, you know, the music, forget all about your problems. But for me to see Bruce live, it's I, I'm taking my experiences and my. I don't know, problems with me. And he helps me to live through it during these three and a half hours. We sort of, he gives me strength to overcome them. So I, I'm not this kind of, you know, the people who says that I'm doing it for fun. I'm doing it for the spiritual guide guidance as well. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it sounds weird. No, <laughs> it, it, I totally understand, Kate. It, it's because. You know, my wife asked a little bit. We we have a lovely marriage. Uh, we were married in 84, and truly she is just, I have been blessed to have her in my life. But we are a mixed marriage, and she's like, okay, I don't get it. Why do you, you know, need to see him so many times? And I just like, there is just such a joy and my heart is feels almost revived, right? Um, that mm. there is this, there's almost this need for my soul to have this experience. And um, she was, uh, when we went to see um, Stephen Van Zant was here in Dallas this last weekend, and mm. uh, she met a couple of people. Um, that have been on the podcast and, um, and they were talking about, so she asked like, how many times have you seen him? And Jeff was like, um, yeah, hundreds. I can't count. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> and, 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 and his wife, Nancy's like, yeah, I'm, I don't know if I'm quite that much, but close to it. And, and she kind of, and she spent a few minutes talking to him and, um, I mean this, she meant no insult, but as we were walking to her, our chairs, you know, our seats, she goes, they were absolutely lovely. I, I hope we can go to dinner with them. They weren't strange at all. <laughs> and I'm like, no, uh, most, I mean, uh, if you just take it out of context, someone wanting to, you know, traveling all over the country or the world to see Bruce perform you go okay they're a little nutty but it's just their passion it's just something that and it's it's a selfish thing for me I I, I get so happy I get so revived by hearing him and being uh, in that the church of Bruce yeah everyone needs a hobby after all right <laughs> yes absolutely so that is that is awesome now um, 
so this was your first show. You got a set list, which was amazing. Um, now, if I you mentioned you've seen him fifteen times. No, eleven. Eleven. Okay. Uh, the last time was this show in Rome in Chirkumas. Okay. Yeah. Now in two. Now he's never played in the Soviet Union or Russia, has he? And no, never. Oh, unfortunately I, yeah I, I i just think that would be such a great thing for him uh to have done and i hopefully he will get that sometimes um so have you is oh, all yeah have all the shows you've been in the europe or have you gone have you made a u.s show no unfortunately not really wanted to see him in like a small arena like you guys have there mm -hmm. but no no such show for me. I probably will. I hope I will at some point okay. because I've never crossed this pond before. Okay. Yeah. I really want to. Yeah. Uh, so what? where have you all seen him at? Well, it was all over Europe and I'm probably... Um, it would be cool to mention South shows that I was in Cardiff, you know. Uh, in this Among European fans, it was very... Um, cool thing to say that I was in Cardiff because it was like full moon and you know the Bruce and full moon there's something's going yes, on absolutely. and we had this amazing show like you know in Bruce show you don't know what ha what is going to happen next but at this show you you think that the, anything can happen it was such a special atmosphere and uh, you know the songs you know, we haven't heard for like 30 years or so he played them and they were actually half the field. So it felt like an arena show and it was um, a stadium with the roof. So it felt like an arena so intimate and so close. But probably my favorite show, um, I probably won't, uh, <laughs> won't be able to explain it enough, but it was in Prague. Mm and I think that it kind of felt like it would feel if Bruce come come to Russia, because majority of the people who came there, they were just. It felt like they were kind of told to, <laughs> like they say, well, this Bruce and he's he was advertised like um, I don't know the biggest live act. Uh, the mu I must see the thing you should um, I don't know um, someone from the top hundred things you you need to see before you're dead or something like that. Exactly, and the majority I, I of the get pictures, that feeling. They, right. they came and they didn't quite. Hmm? No, I was just Sorry? agreeing with you. I was agreeing with you, Kate. You're you're fine. That yeah, this is kind of okay. one of those things. And, uh, bucket list. Yeah. Yeah, and it was so tough for Bruce. You can feel it because, you know, um, you know how he is so popular in Europe, in the places like uh, Gothenburg, or in England. So he just comes up and sings "Promised Land," and everybody's up the feet and jumping and singing along. It wasn't like that in Prague. The first three songs or just felt flat, and you know, the entire stadium was like. So what? <laughs> and I remember I was front row um, near the, the, the left platform. And I thought to myself, well, Bruce, you're going to prove, you know, it to yourself, this one. And I remember this was one of the longest European show because Bruce was trying and trying to win the crowd over. And then it finally happens. I think it was during Shackle and Dawn when he um, wanted, you know, on the tires and sort of dance alone and it was a magical moment and suddenly people just got it they uh, started to feel this magic uh, magic in the air and feel this connection and I remember I think it was the last drop uh, during dancing in the dark do you know how this so many young girls have this um I don't know, signs, Bruce dance with me and all like that. Right. And, you know, in Prague, uh, there, uh, there weren't any 
because there weren't many fans going there. I don't know any of these hardcore fans who chose Prague to go to. I went there because it was the cheapest the cheapest option for me. And uh, I remember during that, and he was kind of didn't know what to choose to dance him with. And I remember there was a really big little girl up on his um, shoulders and they were standing like in the middle of the crowd and Bruce just I don't know just pointed at her and said well you come up on stage and suddenly all the people in the pit they kind of gave way for them to come closer and this father carried this little girl on his shoulders and she was she looked like a princess uh, she was totally fine. And um, she came up on stage and danced with the... I helped her up on stage because I was at this platform. And she was having the time of her life. Uh, and Bruce was beaming, you know, with joy. And so I think it's this rare moment, like, uh, you know, today people get this dance because they really wanted to, because they're dreaming about it. Uh, I don't know. Because they have the sign. This little girl, she totally... Uh, I don't know. She was she was fell in love with Bruce at the side at the spot, and after that, I put her in. She could, you know, see that see the show, and I remember Niels uh, got really sweet on her and gave her all his smiles and waved at her, and she was absolutely transformed into a fan. I think at this moment and. At from this point, point on, during all the encores, the crowd just went crazy because they sort of, uh, Bruce gave something to them, something to please them, uh, something to remind them that we are in this thing together. And that was it. And I think he felt very pleased with himself, <laughs> you know, uh, when he was singing this last song, he said, well, I did it, I was crowd and it was it was such magical moments. oh absolutely I, I totally agree that that sounds like a wonderful uh, moment and so great um so is there you've kind of shared a couple of stories do you have a couple of songs that you haven't heard obviously the wish might be one of them but <laughs> songs that you haven't heard that you hope to hear live sometimes? Well, I go with anything solo piano, okay. especially uh, Incident 57th Street or For You. Mm -hmm. It's the songs I never heard in life, but I really want to. to... Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, any final thoughts you want to share before? I've, I've already kept you a long time. Uh, this has been absolutely lovely. Any final thoughts you want to share or other stories? Oh, I don't know. I just wanted to uh, to say that Bruce's, you know, the fans community has been so, um, so lovely. This whole thing that I was traveling um, the Europe and uh, at one show I was given a list to check everyone to. Made so many fans uh, through Bruce. And so I can't really count them now. So Dan was one of them, of course. And, you know, this community just gave me so... I I always tell that East Street family is kind of my second family. Uh, because the people I met through Bruce were generous, uh, the most understanding, and the most, um, the most glorious people, really. Don't you agree? I, I totally agree. Um, there is... You know, I've told the story a couple of times, but I was heading to a show in Nashville. It was one of my first shows that I went alone with that was out of town. And I was going to meet Donna with Bruce Funds and a couple other people at a restaurant the night before the show. And my wife was like, okay, be careful. You should worry about meeting people from the internet. And I'm like, no, they're Bruce fans. I'm going to be fine. And, you know, and it is that, you know, someone mentioned, 
you're never alone in a Bruce show. Even if you go by yourself, you're not alone because there is that, you know, it truly does feel like a community and a family that's sharing there. And um, so I totally agree with you. Um, you know, we've talked almost an hour and, and you know, we have basically our love for Bruce is all we have in common. Uh, but that's a really great place to start because it gives you so many avenues to discuss and so many, um, you know, common places that you can, uh, you know, and common emotions you can share. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, so we're both going to hope soon for a new tour though. I'm, I'm glad he's enjoying Broadway. Um, Yes. So I uh, go. Uh, do you have a ticket to the show on Broadway? I do not have a ticket to Broadway. Um, I I did not win. Uh, you know, I did not oh. get a code. That's okay. I'm. I understand that. You know, there's a lot of people wanting tickets, and there's not that many to go. Um, I'm hoping that we're going to see a. Um, you know, there'll be a digital release. Or, you know, an HBO special or a DVD that, you know, a Blu-ray that we can purchase to see. Um, I'm just glad he's doing this. I, I just think it's amazing for him. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm glad. Um, so uh, do you have any uh, travel plans coming up uh, to go see other musicians or to visit other friends? Well, actually, uh, I really, really want to go to Broadway, but not for um, next year. There's Angels in America, um, the theater show. Oh, yeah. And it was in London, and it was the best thing I theater like in in years. So I don't think it's gonna. Um, I'm gonna make it because it's very, very many complications with the visa, yes. and uh, you know, basically, it's all the finance problems. Sure. But anyway, um, any any Bruce show totally got me on a train, on a plane, or Absolutely. anywhere. And I'm kind of feel. Um, I'm missing Steve Van Zandt and um, uh, Jake too, but what can you do? Sometimes yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't work. But I'm I'm hoping there will be more of anyone from the Street Band uh, anytime soon. So absolutely, um, thank you. This has been so lovely. I appreciate you taking time. You know, as we record this, it's your Saturday night. It's just I'm still here at. It's just a little bit past noon here in Dallas, uh, but you're, you know, giving up your Saturday night. Day ahead of you. Yes. Um, if someone wants to reach you, is there a, are you on social media at all? Yes, I'm on Facebook. Um, you just type in Ekaterina Aristo. I don't think there's many people of the name. Okay. And uh, I have Skype. I think that's it. Okay. That's that's the things I'm mostly on. All right, hang on a little bit while I thank you so quick... much, Jesse. No, no, no. Hang on, pleasure, you know. Yeah, to no. Go it... on, uh, give this. Yeah. Yeah, I have loved having you on there. Hang on. Um, if you want to be on the show, like our lovely friend from Russia, all you need to do is reach out to setlustingbruce at gmail dot com, or you can find me on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. Uh, we do have a Facebook page, Set Lusting Bruce. Please go check it out. And if you can, go to your favorite podcast player and rate and review the show. It is how we find new listeners. Um, you are a joy to talk to. I, I appreciate you taking time so much. Um, I, I hope that you do get to go see the show, and I hope that um, a lot of the E Street Band members get to Europe and closer to your hometown so you can see them. Uh, so we're I actually gonna, seen a yeah. couple of Nils shows. Ooh, I, that's good. Yeah, I've not Nils, seen Nils. Uh, I think that he's was... my favorite. Yeah, I I could see that. He's he's somebody pretty special. I I saw a little Steven, and I'm hoping that Jake will come to Texas sometime. I'd love to see Jake perform live. And then I have a little crush on Susie. Um, so mm. I, I, I know she doesn't tour very much, but I would love to meet Susie. Um, 
you know, just as I think she's my favorite um, member of the E Street Band. I just love, she just has such a joy and I love her, you know, her playing. Yeah, she the, always has a smile on her face when she's playing. She, she does. She's amazing. So, all right, we're going to end with, I've got God on my side. I'm just trying to survive. What if you do to survive kills the thing you love? Fear is a powerful thing. It could turn your heart black. You can trust. I'll take your God-filled soul and it'll fill it with devils and dust. Um, thank you, Kate, for joining me. <laughs> I wish you the best and we'll talk to you I soon. I wish you the best too. Thank you so much. It was such a lovely, lovely time talking to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.